And welcome into Brewcast Show from the Mason Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network. Back with you after a couple of weeks off. I am Luke Giardi, joined by Anthony Brewman, Chris Castellani here with you. Recording on Monday night as we head into Tuesday, uh, June 2nd. We've got a very interesting show uh, here tonight, man. We are living in some crazy times. A lot of things happening. Uh, some big news today in the state of Michigan that we have to get to and what that means for Michigan football. I mean, just uh, just a lot happening. Life is moving fast. But guys, I haven't talked to you in a couple of weeks here. How you guys doing? Um, Everything sucks right now. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. Yep. Um, the world is kind of burning down around us. Our country is burning down around us, um, literally and figuratively. Again, I know this is, um, you know, for a lot of people, this is a Michigan podcast and and supposed to be an escape from um, stuff that goes on in the world. And, and for the last couple of months, it's been this coronavirus. And now, you know, with the stuff going on in the wake of the, we'll call what it is, the murder of George Floyd uh, by Minneapolis police. Uh, you have protests, you have riots going on across the country. You have, uh, you know, again, not, I'm not getting political here, but the president threatening to mobilize the military on the American people. Uh, things are scary right now. And um, like I said, as has been the case for the last couple of months, the question, how are you doing is kind of a loaded question. And it's about as loaded right now as it's ever been. So um, I'm, I am hurting today. That's how I'm doing. I'm hurting. I'm sad. I'm angry. I'm um, you know, disenfranchised. I'm just tired. I'm so tired. Um, just tired, tired physically, tired mentally, tired of all of it. So yeah, that's how I'm doing today. Yeah. I'm uh, I, I share many of those, those sentiments. I think a lot of people do. This has been, you know, very often, you know, the internet has, has a tendency to be uh, hyperbolic. Uh, I am a, a victim of that a million times over with some of the things I've said about the tigers, but uh, it is undeniable that 2020 has just been an absolute trip and not in a good way. And it, it seemed like, I mean, if there was any good that was coming out of this pandemic, it seems like for the first time in a long time, people were trying to put aside their differences and unite and be together. And um, that's changed now. And it's it's horribly frustrating to see. I mean, what we've seen things this year, both both with this pandemic and elsewhere, that I never thought I'd see. I never thought I would see uh, go a summer or part of a summer without seeing baseball. I never thought we'd see the NSA tournament be canceled. And I never thought I'd see a city that I've grown up in. And, and, you know, obviously you guys aren't from Lansing, but I'm sure you've seen it in areas where, where you guys are from, uh, you know, a city that I've grown up in an area that, you know, I used to a block away from where, you know, I got my start in, in this industry, you know, interning for Jack Ebling at, at 92 one in Lansing, uh, actually on fire. It's, it's strange, it's divisive, and it's, it's a time in American culture where it's very difficult to find hope, and, and I don't, I don't want to dive too deep into this, but it's frustrating because this is so similar to what we've seen 
before. It feels like we're living in, in the same repetitive timeline that we've been living in for the last 10, 15, 20 years, maybe even longer. And uh, it just, it doesn't, it never feels like there's ever going to be a way to stop the bleeding. And that's, what's frustrating. Yeah. And I did want to ask too, uh, are you guys, have you guys been safe? I know Chris, you're still in Lansing, Anthony, you're down, uh, you know, in Southeast Michigan there. Um, I don't know exactly where you live. I don't know if you live in the city of Detroit or not, but uh, have you guys stayed pretty safe? I mean, we haven't been dealing with a bunch up here in the UP. We had one March in Marquette, uh, but for the most part, you know, it hasn't been as big as it was in your guys' areas. You guys been good? Yeah. I mean, everything I live down river. So I'm like 10, 15, 20 minutes South, um, ish of Detroit. So haven't seen a ton of stuff really in my area. Um, obviously Detroit being as close as it is to me and, you know, I've, I've worked downtown before. Um, you know, you see this, this madness going on across the country and it hits a little closer to home when, you're watching your news and you're seeing the streets that you're so familiar with. You're seeing the areas, the landmarks, and you're seeing tear gas. You're seeing police and riot gear. You're seeing, you know, derelicts. And that's what I'll call the people that, you know, there's, there's a lot of people and don't get, I, I, there are likely people who are protesting who legitimately are there to protest that have been causing destruction. I think that, all of these things can be true, but there are also people who have been going and demonstrating that are there only to rile people up, not only rile people up to destroy stuff, to loot, to uh, take advantage of the situation. There are some very nefarious and, and, and evil forces at play. And, and I don't, you know, there's, there seems to be this argument on social media. On, oh, these are left wing extremists. These are right wing extremists. I don't care who they belong to. They are caught like these are these are people that are stirring the pot and causing trouble. I think that you see, um, I think really a majority of these demonstrations you see, I think, have been fairly peaceful. Um, like I said, I mean, but you, you turn on the news, you see it happening in your area, you see it happening in your city, um, and even Minneapolis. Uh, my family is from. Uh, from the state of Minnesota. They're from St. Cloud, about an hour north of the Twin Cities. I have family that live in and around the Twin Cities. And they're, I'm not worried about my safety. They have been the people I've been worried about the most. Um, so it's one of those things, you know, I have family, my family is primarily from Minnesota and from Grand Rapids. And those are two spots that have, you know, Minneapolis, Grand Rapids, those are two spots that have been, um, hit pretty hard by all this. Now, I think what you pull from it, again, it's so hard to pull positives, but, you know, when the the smoke clears, literally, you see people out there with brooms cleaning up the city, you know, trying to, to make things better. Um, you know, as far as the rioting goes, when we look, when we put these riots and, and protests and some of the destruction into perspective, listen, I, I don't, and I said this on the website today in the comments section. I don't condone violence. We don't. None of us condone violence, vandalism. I don't see a place for that. Um, but it, at the same time, and that's not you know, it's, this isn't a, a caveat or a 
know, you hear the word but, and you're like, oh, here comes the excuse. There needs to be a a asking of a reflection, a looking in the mirror of what had to happen to get us here. And what you're seeing right now is, you know, a black man was murdered in cold blood in the streets. That's what it was. I mean, 99% of the people you talk to, there's really not much of a debate there. But this continues to happen. And, and I don't understand why the stance of, you know, I believe that all people should be treated fairly and treated equally. I don't know what's so polarizing about that. I don't know how there are counter protests against that. Um, so, yeah, it's just one of those things. I know I'm kind of rambling here, but um, I'm not like I'll, I'll, I'll be fine. I think pretty much where all three of us are, we're going to be OK. Um, but I, I cannot be any more clear in that if you feel the need to go out there and make your voice heard, by all means, do it. Um, I don't think it's ever been a more important time than now. Uh, I would concur. And I don't, I don't really have much to add to that. You know, I talked about this on, on my, my Tigers podcast a little bit and, and I get, I, I try to get too deep into this stuff just cause I get so exhausted. But, uh, I mean, I, I think, I think we're kind of all in agreement here. You, you been good though, Chris. I know oh, you're, yeah, no, I've, been, I've been fine. You're you know, I've, I've been, yeah. I've been, you know, driving wise, I'm probably like, you know, 15, 20 minutes away from where a lot of the stuff has really gone down, but it's, it's it's just it's a surreal sight for for a lot of people and it's it's going to continue to be and at the same time it it kind of should be because the only way uh to set uh to kind of shake people out of out of feeling apathetic about a situation is to have these kind of extreme examples you know you don't want to see violence or protest but if you're if you see things that uh are unusual maybe that's not always a bad thing because maybe that means that there's actual change occurring. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, I, I do believe change has to occur. Just kind of going along with Anthony, like I firmly take the stance of, I have in the entirety of my life, I've had a huge problem with abuse of power. I've, I've yeah. despised anyone that has ever abused power and what I've seen lately, and it's been amplified um, by social media, is there are countless times that we see, especially police officers, they're not the only ones to abuse their power, but I've seen many instances of them abusing their power, and I hate it. And the problem comes from there not being justice done, you know, and you will see time and time again, there will be uh, acquittals or cover-ups or they won't even pursue charges and things like that and honestly i might be short-sighted on this but i think that would ease just about everything if this police officer first of all he had 17 um complaints against him prior to this incident you know there's no way he should still be a cop at this point he should not have been a cop and that is the systematic problem that we face you know and as if people in power are held more accountable, we're not going to see things like this happen. But at the end of the day, how do you get people in power to give up some of that power and expose themselves and allow themselves to be more vulnerable? And honestly, when all other avenues are exhausted, this is what you get.
you know? So uh, I, I'm very firmly, um, you know, uniting with the protests and the protesters. Uh, there's a lot of damage being done and and looting and, and so-called rioting, but I've seen so many different videos with so many different sources. There's a lot of misdirection, a lot of misinformation out there. You saw the thing in Minneapolis where the auto zone burnt down, but the first guy to be breaking the windows was that guy dressed in all black and the mask and the, and the black umbrella. So there's a lot out there that I'm not currently passing judgment on right now. I just know I stand firmly on one side of this yeah, um, I think the best way that I've seen it be put is that, you know, this is not a, a white versus black issue. This is not a, you know, established or this is not a um, black people versus police issue. This is a non-racist versus racist issue. To me, it's as, you know, it's as black and white as that, um, you know, and that's talking about systematic racism we're talking about you know 100 prejudices that have gone back to um you know hundreds of years at this point 400 years um it's one of those things where you don't it's okay let me just say this and i'm not we're not trying to um what's the term i'm looking for i'm not trying to stand on a soapbox and preach at people but this is why I think it's important for us as an outlet to address this is because we go, obviously when everything's open and a pandemic isn't shutting everything down, we go into Schembechler Hall several times a week and talk to young African-American men. Of, uh, we, we cover the games on Saturdays. We go to basketball games. We cover basketball games, basketball practices. It is important to let that community know and just to let everybody know that this is not a place of hatred. This is a place that stands for what's right. Um, like I said, I lost, I lost Twitter followers over the weekend simply by saying, and I did, you know, I haven't been tweeting all weekend. I haven't known what the words, the right words to say are all weekend. Um, but I lost like 20 followers just from a tweet that said, Hey, uh, just be kind to each other today. Like that, that was it. Um, be kind and, and that racism is bad. I don't know what exactly I said, but it was far from polarizing. And, and some of those Twitter unfollowers, because um, there is a way you can keep track, are people that I've had good conversations with over the years. Um, so it bums me out that we can't have good conversations on this topic. Um, you know, I just I don't it's okay to admit that you don't know what the answer is, but what you should be doing, if you stand up for what's right and you believe, you know, we, we, the American dream is an equal opportunity for success or to be judged. If you do something wrong for all men of every, every color, creed, religion, what have you. And it's pretty clear that there is, there are certain groups of people that, there's an asterisk next to that because for whatever reason, we haven't chosen to treat them uh, the way that we say that we want, we, that everyone should be treated. So um, like I said, I don't know what the answer is. I don't, I'm not out here virtue signaling. I'm not out here trying to signal boost any, any type of agenda. There is no agenda. Um, 
I just think it's important to, you know, we we are we have a platform, and if you if you're not addressing this right now, this is very much the definition of the elephant in the room. Um, for us to come in onto the show today and talk about just the quarterback battle, or um, hey, it looks like football might be coming, like to me that would have been ignorant. So, like right. I said, uh, we don't need to. I don't think that this is in this setup we're ready you know we can have that conversation um the conversations that need to be had but i think it is important to let you know people you know people know and and the black community know that if you listen to us we love you your family and i will support you to my final breath in any way i can so i think that's important to get across i also wish people would just kind of listen to others other experiences you know that that other people have experienced just because something doesn't happen to you or didn't happen to you doesn't discount someone else's experience you know what i'm saying just because you aren't afraid of encounters with the police and maybe you've had plenty of encounters with the police and nothing has gone wrong and you think you have all the answers because you think you did everything right that that might not be the case. It literally could be just, you know, who you are and what you look like. So listen to people. If a black person or a lot of black people, a majority of black people say that their encounters with the police are different than yours, don't discount them. You know, especially when it, this has been going on forever in this country, we just are starting to have easier access to video evidence of this. And it, exactly. it, truly, it truly has been a game changer in the fight for true civil rights. And and even more so, un, understand the, the point of view of people who are protesting. I, I brought this up the other day, but I, I'll reiterate it. Like when Colin Kaepernick took a knee for the first time, there were two camps of people. There were the people who said, I don't I don't believe in that. I, I'm not for that. And you know what? While I might disagree with that. That's fine. You're entitled to have that opinion. But but what's what's worse is that there was a contingency of people who didn't understand it, who didn't who couldn't wrap their head around the concept of somebody doing that and in shows instead of understanding it, look, used the the notion of he's disrespecting the national anthem or he's disrespecting the military as a, a scapegoat so that they didn't have to actually kind of look into the issue. And that led to, I think, uh, that silent protests led to a lot of the kind of vitriol and anger that people are feeling today. They tried the silent route. They tried to be peaceful. A guy on a grand stage, like, like the national football league tried to make a difference. And he has since been ostracized. David Blau has started multiple games in the NFL and Colin Kaepernick hasn't. And now we find ourselves again, kind of circling the wagons, once again, banging our heads against the wall. And you, you bring up that point. I agree with it. You don't have to agree with every single thing that has been said by these protesters. You don't have to agree with, with the riots or or the violence. That's understandable, but to not understand it is only going to allow us to end up doing this same thing again next year. If something like this happens again. Yeah. With that, with that, Chris, I, I feel the same way, and I've and I've felt that way, you know, about people who are speaking out against what they're seeing by saying, uh, "Why wouldn't you have peaceful protests and things like that?" And if you say that while simultaneously 
being a person that was very upset with Colin Kaepernick and NFL players that took a eater in the national anthem doing the silent protesting. Like at the end of the day, at least to me, your opinion has become invalid. That's, yeah, that's my feeling. Completely it's contradictory. You know. Yeah. Uh, if you, if you have issue with both things, it no longer becomes a protesting debate. It becomes, so you just don't like to be on, you don't like your beliefs, your prejudice, prejudices to be challenged or you just or or you just disagree with what they're you know trying to advocate for which is being treated which which at this point to to me just say it like say what you believe quit hiding behind you know i think that you know last week or so you know obviously what's been happening to the black community as as it pertains to police brutality is horrible but that message even in the last over the weekend has been you know diluted by the fact that we're talking about oh it just you know people talking about antifa people talking about uh, the loot how looting is wrong and doesn't make things right it's like there is a um there's like a graphic going around facebook where there are four different you know kind of trains of thought or concerns about all of this and it just kind of basically says like it's okay to be concerned with like all of them like you're in the middle of it um we have to the further and further we get into um, whatever we are as a society now, everything becomes more of a hardline stance. You can't be multiple things. You can't cross over. Um, you know, it, it's just um, – I, I still struggle to find the words for it, and I don't want to talk you – know, I, I, will we have these types of conversations? I'm afraid to – kind of talk out of my rear end and just keep talking for the sake of keeping the conversation going. But all I'll say is this, um, because like I said, I do think it is possible to say too much and then make yourself kind of look like an idiot. Um, We need to do better. Uh, We need to listen better. We need to respect, like there is a lack of respect for life um, across not just white communities, black communities, Latino communities, there is such a, an insular selfishness that we have as, as a society, a stubbornness to not listen to other people. We can solve so many problems by just sitting down and like just have a beer with someone, literally speaking or figuratively speaking, and just listen. You don't need to talk. Just listen. Um, if you don't understand, learn. We don't do enough of that. And like I said, for as sad as a lot of this destruction that you see going on is, um, you just need to keep, you have to ask yourself what we've gone through as a country, as a society to get here. Like what, what is the solution? And I don't know what that is. And we can't answer that here, but like I said, I'd be remiss if we didn't at least bring it up because it's on my mind. It's weighing pretty heavily uh, to be frank with you. Um, I think it, it would you know, it's the responsible thing to do. Well, on that note, uh, I think, you know, we, we've pretty much said our piece and obviously no matter what we say, it'll, it'll never be enough to probably truly quantify our views uh, on the matter. Extremely, extremely nuanced subject. I mean, you could go hours uh, with what's going on right now, but with the time that we currently have, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, something happened in the state of Michigan today where we, we just might get football on time. Keep it here on Brewcast.
Welcome back into Brewcast. Luke Yardy, Anthony Broom, and Chris Castellani here with you. Recording this one on Monday, June 1st, coming your way uh, Tuesday, June 2nd. But the significance of Monday, June 1st is that my friends Anthony and Chris, uh, they're now knowing what it was like to be uh, in the UP for the last week or so. The state of Michigan, uh, according to Governor Gretchen Whitmer, uh, will reopen uh, the state at home order has been lifted a uh, limited capacity of course just like it has in northern lower michigan and the up uh, since memorial day weekend uh, and we're slowly rolling into phase four and hopefully getting to phase five uh, before we know it in the plan to reopen the state of michigan completely post pandemic uh, but what exactly does this mean for football potentially starting on time in the fall anthony you had an article on it uh, on maize and brew here today yeah, um, the long and the short of it is that it's kind of, it's it's good news. Uh, the stay-at-home order has been lifted. Anyone who I mean, everyone's been screaming to the mountaintops with joy that this is we finally have some good news here. But um, the Cliff Notes version of it, um, restaurants are going to be open, going to be able to reopen for dine-in services next week at fifty percent capacity. Um, the restrictions on gatherings have kind of been super relaxed as you can do an outdoor activity of up to 100 people now, it looks like, as long as you socially distance, which keep in mind, that's a pretty important one in terms of practicing for football. Um, and yeah, uh, Luke up in the UP and some of the parts of the northern lower peninsula have kind of already been in this eased lockdown or, you know, the... Uh, loosely removed stay-at-home order now it's officially removed um, but the rest of us the 93 percent of us that make up the rest of the state um, are now in that improving category so this to me this is kind of uh, and i should say too gyms salons casinos movie theaters close proximity services like that still remain closed uh, apparently they will revisit that around fourth of july so that's where we're at right now um there are whispers and I've, i i spoke to someone earlier today who said that they're looking at Michigan players being able to return to campus on June 15th. Uh, Jim Harbaugh spoke last week and said something along the lines of, um, you know, voluntary workouts would pretty much run through June. And then the quote unquote mandatory workouts would um, run for the first few weeks of July. Apparently there's a proposal on the table to where, uh, and this is in the article I wrote, this is from Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated. The first phase would be the June workouts that I just spoke about. The second phase would be the mandatory workouts in July. And then in late July, you come back and do a two-week of sort of an NFL-style OTA. And then the fourth phase would be a four-week camp in August to get ready for the season. Now, again, everything is still kind of fluid. We, we spent the early part of this pod talking about you know, protests and gatherings like coronavirus hasn't gone away. And there's a pretty good chance that um, a second wave might be expedited by some of these gatherings that we're seeing. But as of right now, um, and nothing has been sentenced, nothing has really even be ch been changed for football season. Everything is still kind of on a schedule with the really only question at this point being, are there going to be fans in the stands? And if so, how many, but, it kind of seems like they have a plan. And, and as far as, um, you know, Michigan was going to wait out governor Whitmer's order. 
Uh, the order was lifted as of Monday, and I guess we could just kind of see where it happens from here. But um, assuming that everything kind of holds the way it's been going and we all still continue to improve as a state, um, college football prep is about to be underway as soon as two weeks from today. Well, that, that'll be that'll be a wonderful small small return to normalcy. I'll say this about Michigan and even the NCAA as much maligned and understand reasonably so as they are. Um, they, like you said, Anthony, there appears to be a plan there. And in a time in which so many people, both in government and in sports, uh, seem to be kind of completely clueless. Um, I, you don't have to read between the lines to know what sport I'm talking about, twiddling their thumbs, trying to figure out uh, how to play a season. I, I'm, we're, you know, we're a few months out, obviously, until things really get going. And though it is June 1st, geez, when, you know, Big Ten Media Day is supposed to be, what, late July? Obviously, that's not happening this year. But um, I, I I feel like the, the wheels are in motion, which is 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 a, a nice sign to see. And I, the, the, the more this thing goes on, uh, the strong, the more content I, I, I am in believing that we're going to see fuller football stadiums this year than I think people might even believe right now. I, I think as time goes on, um, obviously that whole second second wave, second surge thing is going to be a big deal. But even they've kind of prepared for that with with what they're going to do in terms of st- sending students home following the Thanksgiving break. Uh, I I think that things are looking up more so for college football than uh, any other sports uh, both in the, in the summer and the fall, because I think that it's obvious that there is an actual uh, kind of a blueprint in place regarding how they're going to get this thing going. And, uh, and we're looking forward to it. God knows we need it. You know, we don't really know what any of this is going to look like in September uh, in regards to COVID-19. But if there is, if it is a far less of a threat, you know, um, in September than it is now, or or it was a couple of months ago. Obviously, like if we do have far more testing and more antibody testing, or hell, if we have a vaccine, you know, I know that's incredibly wishful thinking, but I think Chris was really onto something there about if that's the case, and if there isn't a fear of large gatherings, um, sending out a second wave or anything like that, then I think you are because. College football attendance has been reported on time and time again how college football attendance is declining. But do you guys get a sense that maybe this pandemic kind of gave a sort of you don't know what you had until it's gone because people have been forced, you know, for the most part to, to sit at home and entertain themselves through TV or any, you know, entertainment via TV, radio, podcasting, you know, whatever it may be, uh, you were confined to your home and people have been staying home instead of going to college football games across the country because they have the HD TVs and things like that. But I really think that people truly have garnered a new appreciation for the social gathering that is college football and something that really cannot be duplicated amongst any other sport. So I really think you're onto something there, Chris. I really do think if this is not a, a big threat come September, and, and that might be far-fetched to say. I, I have no idea what things are going to look like in September, but I think college football attendance is going to skyrocket. 
I, I would agree. And I think the level of fervor we're going to see regarding college football and other sports going forward, it's part of the reason why I'm still mad at baseball is I feel like they're kind of squandering what is a really golden opportunity to be the first sport back. But I mean, you bring it up and obviously we're looking down the road, but um, can you imagine how huge next year's NCAA tournament is going to be? I mean, <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be like the biggest sporting event of all time. It, they, cause they're, if they're smart, which I think they are, they are going to market it as we're back. You know, I think that will be kind of the official sports 100% are back type of moment. Uh, you know, kind of a, almost a weird redemption in the sense that we didn't have to see it last year. Now it's back. So I think that the, and I think we will see maybe not in 2020, but in probably starting around 2021, a real uptick in terms of, uh, in terms of attendance, because we're going to start seeing a lot of people who are just going to want to get out of the house. And, and I think sports are a perfect outlet for that. So I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah, I, I think there's some merit to that, but I kind of am taking the opposite viewpoint in that being, you know, I, I think that a big problem that not only, you know, these colleges, these pro sports teams and, and, you know, NHL, baseball, football across the board, you know, I think that a lot of, a lot of the average Joes are being priced out of the experience because it is so expensive to, to go to a game and and given that I, you know, a third of the country is maybe not that much, but like given that so many people have lost jobs and there's not, you know, people are dipping into their savings to, to pay their bills and things like that. Um, you know, I kind of thought before, even without a pandemic, that sports was kind of heading down a dangerous road where um, attendance was going to be tough to come by. You know, I almost wonder if people realize, you know, coming out of this, like, hey, I'm still kind of, and I, I think, I don't know how the average person feels about the virus and, and, you know, if they feel at risk going out in public. But, you know, in September, if you're telling me that, I'm let's just say I'm a Michigan fan. Well, I mean, I am, but that is uh, someone who can go to games and enjoy themselves and things like that. If you're telling me that, okay, uh, lockdown is over uh, just a couple months ago, uh, thousands of people in your state and hundreds of thousands of people across the country died from this virus. But that was a couple months ago. Now I'm going to go sit in um, a stadium that essentially houses butt cheek to butt cheek the amount of people that died from this virus in the country and and when you know how easily transmittable this disease appears it's been i don't know how people are going to feel about that um so i mean i think obviously if you were dialing back attendance to say okay we're doing half capacity or third capacity the interest that will obviously drive the interest up more from that standpoint because you've got um, fewer spots and, and a lot more willing butts to kind of come in there and, and watch a game. But I, I don't, I don't know if attendance will skyrocket just cause I don't know if the disposable income is going to be there for a lot of people. Um, you know, again, I'm not taking shots at leadership or the government or anything, but, um, all that's really been done for people outside of unemployment is like a $1,200 stimulus check. And I just don't know if the disposable income is there to for sports to skyrocket, uh, so to speak. So I think that it's more likely that some of these – I really do think that some of these – because let's be honest, most of these leagues are um, the gate 
revenues might be like 25% of what they make. Everything else is TV and, and other types of contracts. So there needs to be when, when things do come back to where fans can be at games, I think that there is going to have to be a real effort to incentivize people to come back other than, Hey, we're back. Um, well, here's where I, I kind of go the other way on that though. Anthony is you talk about disposable income and unemployment. I'm guessing for a lot of people that attend Michigan games on the regular, I'm guessing that was a pretty big pay cut. However, I know a lot of people around my age that got laid off from their jobs and that $899 a week on unemployment was a huge jump in yeah, their earnings. That's true too. And, and so, and especially for younger people, they're going to be more willing because they're, you know, for better or for worse, you know, how, whether, however you feel on it or not, there's a ton of young people that aren't afraid to get this, you know? No, no and, you're totally right. You're absolutely right. I'm just was providing the other side of it. Yeah. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see, but uh, I, I just hope there is football. Whether I, uh, I mean, I, I know me personally, I don't really have time to to make it down to Ann Arbor for any game, so I'll be watching it at home. I'm just glad there's going to be something. It sounds like. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it on the moon. I'll take it played in the practice facility. Like, just give as long as it's televised. Just give it to us at this point. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was another point I wanted to make, but I think I've totally blanked on it. Um, I think we're going to get – I think if anything, they might push – I don't think they're going to push college football back. I think kind of what you're looking at now is I do see a scenario in play where maybe you play like a 10-game conference-only schedule. So then you don't have schools like Michigan going out to Washington and Ohio State going out to Oregon. Um, but again, like I said, I, I do think that – Football is going to be played, and I think we're going to be able to get it all in on time. So, um, fingers crossed. I know good news is and optimism is kind of in short supply, but um, you know, on that front, and and given that the stay-at-home order has been lifted, uh, I feel I feel good about where we're heading. So, we'll see what happens. Well, all right, yeah, I, I agree. Oh, uh, oh, it's right, it's sorry. that that. Uh, that stay at home or order being lifted, I think was, uh, was ideal timing considering some of the circumstances going on, uh, in this country right now. So yeah, definite, uh, a good step forward at least. All right. I think that's going to do it for us here on this edition of Brewcraft Brewcast. My goodness, Chris, let us know where we can find you on social media. Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Castellani 2014. That's at C A S T E L L A N I two O one four. And there you'll find the links to some of my other stuff, my Locked On Tigers podcast. And um, I'm back on YouTube, like officially, officially back on YouTube. So go there. You'll On the link to my Twitter bio, you can find the link to my YouTube page. Subscribe for uh, all sorts of movie reviews and fun stuff. I really want to get that, uh, uh, you know, get the subscriber count up, get the view count up. Let's see how much fun we can have with that. And uh, if you want to see me on Instagram as well, that's Chris Castle 95 updating stories. Every few days, that's Chris Castle 95, C-H-R-I-S-C-A-S-T-L-E-9-5. Anthony, how about you? Uh, I just—I wish I could delete all social media, but <laughs> yeah, sure. on Twitter, at Anthony T. Broom. Follow the website, at Mason Brew. Um, follow uh, get your shows wherever you get our shows and podcasts, uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. Um, 
thanks for sticking with us. If you've made it this far, um, you know, it's not, not our intent to be, um, you know, to rile anyone up or, um, but we're humans and we're going to talk about human things and human issues. And, and when people, when people tell us to stick, stick to sports right now, um, how, <laughs> so right. I think, uh, like I said, I appreciate each and every one of you and, um, you know, we will we will continue to call out what we see as we see it. So thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. There's one thing I guarantee. It's that I will never uh, stick to sports. You can find me on Twitter yep. at Luke Gerdy, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. And obviously, if you, you know, can't handle that, don't follow me. I don't really care. I don't take it. Oh, and if you're a racist, just unfollow. Just <laughs> yeah. follow. I don't care. I don't get paid per follower. So none of us do. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Remember to subscribe and leave a review for all of our shows and content where you get your podcasts by searching Maze Brew Podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. We'll be back next week on Brewcast.